Wertes in der Kleinstadt Winden ein Junge auf mysteriöse Weise verschwunden. Die Frage ist nicht, wer die Kinder entführt hat, sondern wann. Das Ende ist der Anfang. Und der Anfang ist das Ende. Tick, tick. Du wirst alles verstehen, wenn es an der Zeit ist zu verstehen. Tick, tick. Aber jede Entscheidung für etwas ist doch immer eine Entscheidung gegen etwas. Hello and welcome to Dark, a companion podcast to the Netflix TV series. I'm Murgles. I'm Acorn. And I'm PB. Shall we begin? Yes. 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 Before we dive in, I just want to point out that this is a companion podcast, not a watch along. So you definitely want to have watched the series and be hungry for more discussion, more theories and things like that. We've also chosen to run the podcast as more of a discussion between friends. So we each go away with the topic for the week. We have our own notes, and then we come together and we share them. Nobody has any sneak peeks at each other's notes, and that means that we won't always get everything completely right. But it should also lend for more surprises, and ultimately we want you to feel like you're in our living room discussing right along with us. Today, we're going to be talking about Hannah. Oh my god, finally. I know. The Hannah episode. It's been a long time coming. I know, it has. Uh, she's been swirling around my brain pan for a while now. So, very, very exciting. Um, but before that, one, do we have any housekeeping? Nope. I'm shaking my head. We had a radio wind in. Okay. In that case, hello, I'm the mailman. We have mail. So I have an email for us to start off the day. Yay. All right. Let's do that. All right. So this email comes from Linda. Hello, you guys. Hi, Linda. Hello, Linda. My name is Linda. I'm 19 years old and from Italy, but currently living and studying in Vienna, Austria. Whoa. Yeah. So cool. Super cool. Live in the dream, Linda. I'm only at episode A Fool's Paradise, but I just cannot wait any longer to send you an email and tell you how much I enjoy listening to your podcast. Aww. I started watching Dark pretty soon after the first season came out and stayed through the long wait for seasons two and three. If only your podcast had already existed back then, wink face. That would have made <laughs> the wait much easier. It became pretty soon one of my favorite series of all time. And I binged the last season on one beautiful, splendid summer day, but it was definitely worth staying inside and missing out on some fun summer activities. I never listened to any companion podcast before, but a friend of mine, Lena, casually told me about it when we were having lunch together. If you happen to read my mail out loud, she'll probably be listening too. Hey girl, love ya. Thanks again for the recommendation. So cute. Hi. So cute. Hi, Lena. Hi, Lena. Thank you for recommending the show. Also, can we just pause for just a second to squee about the fact that like two girlfriends are having coffee and then yeah. they were like, you should totally check out this pod. We do that yeah, all the time. No. Yeah, we do that. We're like, oh, we're gonna check out this new podcast I just found. So I'm like, <laughs> I am um, once again surprised like, that people listen oh, and talk about yeah. it. What? Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god. That's I, just the coolest compliment that someone likes it enough to recommend it to a friend over coffee. I can't. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Please continue. I don't know how she found you, but I decided to give it a try, and now I'm absolutely intrigued by how well-researched, funny, deep, and highly intellectual your discussion is. I'm still catching up on all the episodes, but so far I deeply enjoy listening to all the stuff you decide to share with us. The laughter, personal questions, housekeeping, mails and tweets, and of course the mm. thorough analysis of everything going on in Dark. 
Thank you so much for doing this. I'll probably write you another mail as soon as you're done with all the episodes and the podcast is finished, because on said day, I will most definitely be in mourning. But in the meantime, keep up the great work, stay healthy and safe wherever you are, and never forget that you and Dark really are a perfect match. With lots of love from Vienna, Linda. P.S. Linda! Linda! (laughs) P.S. It's so therapeutic to listen to people rant about how much they hate Hannah. Like, same girls. What a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) So, on that note, Linda, thank you so much for your wonderful email. Let's talk about a bitch called Hannah. (laughs) Uh, Let's talk about We've had some complicating feelings about yeah, yeah, we it's have. True. I was just going to say, I wonder, Linda, if your opinions have changed along with us, because by the time you listen to this one, you would have uh, been caught up on some of our previous Hannah discussions. So I'm, yeah, you know, I, I would be interested uh, when you send us that email again at the end of the podcast. Let us know if you have changed your opinion on Hannah. Was there a question of the day? Yes. I think this is a really hard question because I feel like, like our episode about Inez. I feel as though now that there are two Hannahs within me, two Hannah wolves, and one of them is someone who is a victim of the timeline like everybody else, and someone the other one is someone who has complete agency over everything they're doing and therefore is a bit of a dickhole. <laughs> oh my God, an email literally just came in just this second oh Um, really yeah that's never happened to us before should we read it i feel like it's like fate shall we read two emails okay it could be about hannah we've we've talked about fate a lot recently especially with all of your projects pb how like things just fall into your lap or you serendipitously find something that works with whatever you're doing yeah it's kind of weird i'm just learning to embrace it i think that's that's the whole opportunity knocking at the door and you answering. That's what everybody has been talking mm-hmm. about in all those self-help. Okay, what's that face? Mergs is doing the like, oh my God face. What is it? Yeah, we're going to read this email. Uh, <gasps> just so, <gasps> Holy so shit. We just got an email. Literally, I was about to ask a question. Fuck the question. We're going to read this email. Okay. Kismet. Oh my gosh. Uh-huh. Okay. This email comes from Annie. Hello, Annie. Hi, Annie. Hi, Annie. I love that name. It's a great name. My name is Annie, and I'm writing to you from Sweden. Literally five minutes ago, she finished writing this. (laughs) Wow. You should should reply back, like, right this second, right now, reply back and be like, hey, Annie, this came in as we're recording. We're reading it, and just, hello. You know, if we're going to write another longer reply, tell her that. But say, I just, we just wanted you to know we are seeing this and reading it right now. And then when she gets to this episode, it'll be just very exciting. Yeah. (laughs) That's so cool and sent okay perfect hello dark three my name is annie and i'm writing to you from sweden i'm the biggest fan of dark and also of your wonderful podcast which i've been listening to since the very first episode i started watching dark a few weeks before the last season came out i know (laughs) so she doesn't have to wait to catch up to this episode she's gonna hear this like this week this week okay yeah in a couple days (laughs) I started watching Dark a few weeks before the last season came out, and by the time I'd finished the whole show, I felt completely mind-blown. The desire for more discussion and analysis of what I'd just experienced led me to you by searching in Apple Podcasts. We, we came up on Apple? Yeah, we wow, did. I feel fancy. I know. <laughs> 
I listened to several podcasts about dark and you should know that you guys really are unique in many ways. Your approach to dig into different themes and characters, your analytical depth and sense of detail, your emphasis on relational and emotional aspects. These are all super engaging qualities to me. On top of that, you are three amazing women who are intelligent, empathetic, dedicated, and genuine. And the dynamics between you is just lovely. Oh my God. I I know. My feelings. Please don't make me cry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm already in like a sensitive state right now. Yeah. Yeah. I I had to do some serious prep in like emotional prep for the Hannah episode because, you know, tough subject for me. Yeah. So I was like, all right, get ready to talk about some stuff. So, yeah, I'm just, oh boy. I put my emotions in a lockbox and I locked the box. Locked the box. Stone cold. Steve Austin. You're not. Okay. (laughs) Read the email, Steve. (laughs) Fact is, Dark and your podcast have helped me get through this year. I've been on sick leave since March due to burnout and depression, and the COVID situation with following isolation hasn't made things any better. Dark has given me something to care about again. It has raised a lot of thoughts about life and what's important. I've watched the series five times so far, and still I always see new things that I haven't noticed before. It's a pure joy to listen to the three of you every week and discover new connections and angles together with you. Oh, yeah. Wow. Well, I have to say it helped us as well, because I think we were all in that same spot and we have found quite a, a, you know, a light getting together every week and having this routine of just, you know, a talking and friendship and um, and then also just diving in about dark. It, it is something to focus on that has meaning. Yeah. And when you're really deep in it, it's hard to see meaning in anything or a point or a purpose and even opening your eyes every morning. So I relate yeah you're not alone and i'm happy to hear that dark is a it's a good reason to get up there's a lot in there mm-hmm. <laughs> there is a lot as we're discovering hours and hours and hours of reasons to get up and um you know if you want to join the hermetic cult that's <laughs> fine that's yep i'm still completely convinced that this is an invitation to hermeticism but anyway <laughs> enough with my tin hatting now i have a comment on the inez episode I was surprised you didn't mention <gasps> okay. a thing that for me is maybe the most heavily implied about her. Oh, God, go on. That she was sexually abused as a child by her father, Daniel Convald. Oh, Wait, what? what? In season three, episode four, Claudia and Inez are looking in a pornographic magazine in the woods. Yana is there as well. Inez says that it's her dad's magazine and then asks the other girls if they've ever seen a penis that's not their dad's. Later in the episode, Egon gives a note to Hannah with the name of the woman who can help her with an abortion. He says that Daniel told him about it last year. Oh, <gasps> holy sh! What the fuck? I mean, I missed that. Yeah, I fucking didn't even clock that. I know, I didn't even clock that. So, so I will say personally that I feel like okay, I feel like oh maybe they're not implying that that specifically because i mean i don't i I feel like it's nudity as a child is like normal in a house to some extent Dude. dude um that's her son that she lost i bet you i don't know man because she's like 13 or like 12 12 or 13 that's i that's so fucked man i don't it would also be the third iteration of that remember we were trying to find who the third it would be the third abortion? instance of the young child abortion. 
Yeah. Wait, who was the second? We had, uh, hold on. Helene. Yeah. Helene, Helene and Katerina. Does Katerina Didn't get she? an abortion? No. Who was the Hannah goes I know to get there an were abortion, two. but then she chooses not to. Yeah. I swear there was another one. Maybe not. So uh, Annie continues to say, my interpretation is that Daniel made Inez pregnant and then made her have an abortion. This is the child that yeah. Inez lost. And maybe there were complications that meant she could never get pregnant again. Sincerely, See, Annie. See, that is actually the main reason why I think potentially it was assault when she was young. Because that is very common. That you, you cannot... Well, it would be the third instance of, of assault because um, Helg's mother was also yeah. 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 assaulted. Yeah. Wow. You know what's really weird? The line, have you ever seen a penis that wasn't your dad's? When she's like 13 years old or something. Yeah, yeah like but I she's, mean like, you, like you never at saw least your dad in, walking around going in the bathroom or something? This is an interesting conversation because I think there's some differences between countries and culture. So like in America, at least, I feel like most parents will uh, separate a young daughter from their naked father around like five, six. But in European countries, they're like nakedness isn't treated. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah, It isn't treated the same way. So Mm -hmm. I don't know how how much longer that's like a a fact of the household you know yeah 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 i guess that would be like um ask Danks. i'm so curious yeah i'll ask i'll ask Danks because i i i'm also curious because i don't think it's completely here's the thing her saying like that wasn't your dad's like she might not be saying like oh i see my dad's penis every weekend when he's going with his nudist friends to the beach or yeah that's you know like true. she could be saying oh i saw my dad's penis like when I was five back in the day, because he used to yeah, take true. baths or we used to go to the pool together or, you know, yeah. like I accidentally walked into my dad in the bathroom when I was young. So like, uh, and you know, that's I, yeah, I get that. I see that aspect yeah. of it, but it, it it's either really fucked up and dark or it's it's the two Inez. Totally innocent. Innocent. It's, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. the two Inez's. It's like either something happened or nothing happened and now hold on let's follow this thread because it was you know she was so kind to email us this thread i just let my brain think on it for a second yeah pornographic magazine is my dad's totally innocent yeah like you just find that and yeah man though i mean i'd have to see we'd have to watch the scene to see like if the girls react negatively to her saying that like if i'm pulling it up right now yeah i am so curious so there's a there's actually a whole um Freikörperkultur means free body culture. And in Germany, since the beginnings in the 18th century, there's been a very strong naturist movement. My brain is latching onto this for some reason and won't let go. Yeah. Germany published oh. the first journal of nudism between 1902 and 1932. The German naturism movement was careful to de-eroticize the naked body, which was not regarded as sexually provocative in itself. Instead, it was believed that civilization had taught us to look upon nudity as sexual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that is actually true. Yeah. So there's a thing about this scene. First of all, the way Inez is showing her friends this magazine is in like a really self-confident way. Yeah, like I know something you don't know. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then the, 
after she asks the question, have you ever seen one that's not your dad's? And Claudia nods her head, yes. The camera zooms into Inez's face and she has this expression. And I can't quite put my finger on what that expression is. It's almost like she's put off by the fact that Claudia has. And then she almost challenges her by saying, so what did it look like? Yeah. It's almost like she has this expression where she wasn't expecting it. I'm, I'm same, same with you, PB. Like I'm now analyzing this and trying to figure out which Inez makes sense. Yeah. Because at least in this scene, I'm reading Inez as being like really self-confident and I don't quite, I don't quite see like evidence of her being abused here just because when you're abused, you, you tend to be, at least from what I've gathered, like nervous around that kind of like information. She's, she doesn't I think seem that's like a bit more common. I feel like everybody's a, a little bit different. Like sometimes people yeah. can become a bit more pr- promiscuous after. Uh, so it, it really, d- it really depends. But my brain went into like a more literal metaphor of the metaphor of the Conwald doing the raping mm-hmm. and Adam and following that lineage through my brain just won't let go of that. Like, I, I feel like there is something there and I am going to walk away from this. Like, I don't think I'll be able to come up with an answer right this second, but I'm going to walk away and I'm going to think about that because it's again, it's like the, it's like the door. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I went left, you know, instead of going right. It's that moment for me where my brain is like, there is something here and I need to look at it some more. Yeah. Do I think that it's, it's for sure that she was, you know, raped by her dad or, do I think she was abused by her dad? I'm not sure. Do I think that that was her man? I don't know, though. I'm, I don't know. Uh, I'm, that I'm that line with... about like, I have mm-hmm. heard about it from Daniel Conwald is a damning line. Yeah. That is really damning. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. but that could also be that Daniel Conwald was having affairs personally as well. Which is also possible because we don't know who Inez's mother is. Yeah. And we don't know who the father of her dead son is either. There's a lot of missing gaps in Inez's life. And we talked about that during her episode, how it almost feels like there was a story written there that they just weren't able to explore Mm -hmm. in the the show. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, I definitely I'm definitely going to also go back and watch the scenes with Daniel Convald to see like his physicality and stuff. And I do think it's Mm -hmm. interesting. Like, what is the purpose of that scene? Was the purpose of that scene to reveal something about Claudia or was the purpose of that scene to leave us with an image because they chose to include young girls looking at a pornographic magazine, right. you know? So like, what well, is that? That, the, had a, that had a purpose for, you know, Claudia saying that she did and then yeah. giving Yana that there was that moment there where we realized there was a sort of a love triangle happening yes. right now. Right. So it served that purpose in in my opinion, but you know it's dark. There can be multiple purposes, yeah, uh, uh-huh. and one hidden right under our nose. So that does quite intrigue me. Yeah, I feel like there's something else going on with Inez. Like watching the scene again, there's something about the way that she is holding herself. It's very self confident. It's almost challenging yeah. when Claudia says yes, I have, and she almost looks disappointed like I was saying before, but then like challenges her. I don't know. And then when Claudia nods her head saying, yes, it was Tranta's that I saw, Inez immediately looks over at Yana in a knowing way. So I think Inez is just the holder of knowledge in this scene. There's something going on there. She knows more than we've seen. Yeah. 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 Whatever that means. Okay. Yeah. I just asked Enki. 
about like uh nudity at home and stuff more normal in the uh new federal states so the federal states that were behind the wall um because Uh, as a form of expression they also had these uh fkk beaches which means um yeah freikörperkultur so uh nudity beaches which is more an eastern german thing than it is a western german thing and in general like nudity camps and stuff like that really evolved in the east as a form of this is what we have power over ourselves and we can do this that's how it started and it wasn't a thing Mm. in the west and then after after the wall fell it was adopted by some western german people but it's more a thing in the in the newer federal states so generally speaking it's not normal to be naked around your family no matter like it doesn't matter if you're the dad or the mom uh, or the children. I mean, ch- children is different, you know. If you have a house, and you have a and, and, and you have a yeah, and you have a backyard. Um, if the children are still young, you will you will probably let them run free in the summer naked. But, but the with, parents with like a pool. don't naked in front of the kids. Uh, no, no, rather yeah, not. I didn't think so. Yeah, I mean, probably there's some there's some people who do that probably, but. It's not a thing, if that's what you're asking. Like, has he seen dark? Can you ask him about that scene? So, in we're we're having a discussion because there we got an email pointing out that there's a scene where a kid, one of the girl characters, she's like twelve or thirteen, maybe. She's looking at a porn magazine that she got from her dad. She's with her friends, and she says, "Have you guys ever seen a penis that's not your dad's?" And so the email was sort of implying that. She might have been suffering sexual abuse from that, that that was like an implication because later on the, the dad says something. Um, I would have to watch the show. Yeah. To answer yeah. that. But out of context and just with those words, it doesn't sound to me like it implicates anything. Okay. Because it would still be normal if you, you know, if, if, if your dad goes and takes a bath yeah. or something, yep. you're not locking the door up. Yeah. yeah you yeah. know, like kid walks in. it's. So out of context, it still sounds like just normal family business. But if you're asking, is being naked around your kids a thing, then no. Okay. (laughs) Generally speaking, no. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much, my love. Yeah, thank you. Danke, meine Liebe. Okay. Oh, that was so cute. And I understood that. (laughs) (laughs) So right now, there are two Inezes in my brain. Oh man, one, I really want the left one to be the, to the case. One where it was just an innocent situation, saw her dad naked early, grabbed his porno mag because she's a gossip and is like, you know, doing that thing that kids sometimes do where it's like, you know, that bravado, Mm -hmm. you know, of like, oh, I know about kissing and boys and do you and that stuff, you know, there's that. And then there's another more darker alternative that really... So my concern is, what does that change for Inez? Does it change anything? And I realize we're really on Inez right now, but does it change anything, her motives? Uh, yeah, I think it would change a lot about whether or not her her fear and concern for Mikael and his past and her yeah. drugging him, her... If we took it from that perspective, then... It would almost be like she she would be like, I know and I know what you're feeling. So I know yeah. how to help you. 
and I'm yeah. going to help you. And then I like, wish someone had helped me, me when I was, yeah. 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 It suddenly takes on a whole new meaning, her, her uh, heroics there yeah. in that moment. It's, it's almost a little, it's warped in a way because, you know, we, we do that often, you know, complex uh, post-traumatic when you're, when you're a kid and you go through these things. And then when you're an adult and you see it in other people, you often want to help save save them yeah. even at the expense of yourself but you're stuck in a time loop you're actually trying to save yourself you're trying to heal yourself mm -hmm. and what yep. was done to you so it's like um it's it almost makes her acts towards Mikel a little bit more selfless in that she sees him suffering and is like i want to prevent that from happening but also in a weird way, she's trying to ease her own pain. It does add a lot of dimension to her. I will say that mm -hmm. a little bit of depth, but I don't just a different, not that she wasn't deep f before because the loss of a child is extremely traumatic. You know, she it's, but it's just two very different Inez's for me. Yeah. One that suffered a, you know, the hands of abuse and one that, you know, suffered a traumatic loss and finds love and power in, in Mikkel. Yeah. So, yeah. And then, of course, there's that third Inez that maybe potentially is involved in Sigmundus. But I <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I subscribe to that completely, but uh, she does exist somewhere in there. Super mm. interesting. Thank you so Very much, interesting. Yeah. Um, Annie. For Here's your email. one more thing for us to, to look out for during our yeah. rewatch. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Mm -hmm. I'm excited. <sighs> so good. All right. Let's talk Hannah, folks. Yep. Let's talk Hannah. Hannah Convald. Just so everyone knows, I'm reading from the Dark IO Netflix, Netflix.darkio, yep. because I find it pretty reliable. Hannah is a clever woman who's driven by pain and vengeance. She doesn't shy away from scheming if it gets her what she wants. As a teenager, Hannah meets an unusual boy at the Winden Hospital. He tells her he's from the future. The boy is her future husband, Mikhail Kanwald. Hannah's in love with Ulrich Nielsen, but he takes no notice. He's already with Katerina. Hannah devises a plan, telling policeman Egon Tiedemann that Ulrich raped Katerina, resulting in Ulrich's arrest. She then spreads the rumor that Regina was the one who went to the police. I'm sorry. That bitch Hannah. I can't. <laughs> I know. You're how old when you do that? Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> At Ulrich and Katerina Nielsen's 25th anniversary party, Hannah betrays her husband Mikhail by kissing Ulrich. On June 21st, 2019, the Convald family is struck by a cruel twist of fate. Hannah's husband, Mikhail, commits suicide in the attic of their home. Her son, Jonas, struggles to cope and is admitted for several months to a psychiatric ward. Hannah and Ulrich begin a secret affair. When he calls it off, she's desperately lovesick and beside herself with anger. She can't let him go that easily. In November 2019, Hannah's son, Jonas, and former lover, Ulrich, disappear from Winden without a trace. She's left completely on her own. Utterly alone, Hannah decides to take her own life. She has a gun, ready when a stranger unlocks the door of her house. He's able to convince her that he is Jonas, now some 30 years older. Jonas reveals the secret of time travel and briefly takes Hannah with him to 1987. She sees young Mikael Nielsen together with Inez Conwald and discovers what happened to Ulrich. Hannah takes the time machine from Jonas and travels to 1954. With the help of policeman Egon Tiedemann, she discovers Ulrich is being held in a psychiatric clinic but she isn't there to help him. She wants to humiliate him. She lets him beg and confesses love for her before turning and walking away. Fucking power move. Mm -hmm. 
Hannah stays in 1954 and starts having an affair with Egon. He supports her financially, gifts her a necklace, and declares his love for her. When Hannah discovers she is pregnant, the affair comes to an end. Hannah wants to get an abortion, and Egon tells her where to go. In the waiting room, she meets a young Helene, who asks a series of innocent questions, changing Hannah's mind. As she leaves, Hannah gives Helene St. Christopher pendant. Hannah decides she doesn't need anyone. She travels with the time machine to the 1980s and gives birth to a daughter, Celia, who she raises as a single parent. Mm. Aifa tells Hannah where she can find Jonas. Together with five-year-old Celia, Hannah travels to 1911. Jonas, who now goes by Adam, greets his mother with little warmth. He comes to her in the night and explains that Celia shouldn't grow up in this time. Jonas calls her mama one last time before suffocating her. And that is, that is Hannah's, that is Hannah's life in the main, in Adam's timeline. Adam's in, Yeah, I was world. just saying Adam's yeah. timeline. Is there just a brief alt world? Because yes. it, it does change my perspective a little bit. Yes, it sure does. Okay. So in Ava's world, Hannah Nielsen. Hannah is Ulrich Nielsen's second wife. She's pregnant with his child. Ulrich left his first wife, Katerina, to be with Hannah. When Hannah finds an unfamiliar hair on his clothes, she thinks he's cheating on her with Katerina. She later discovers, however, that he's having an affair with his colleague, Charlotte Doppler. As a teenager, Hannah witnessed Alexander Tiedemann bury a bag in the woods. She dug it up and found a gun in his old passport with the name Boris Nevald. 33 years later, Hannah is using this information to blackmail Alexander. She wants him to use his position as director of Wyndon's nuclear power plant to destroy Charlotte's life. Uh, which she also does in the main world. In the main but world, towards but she Ulrich. does it for Ulrich. Yeah. yeah. On the day of the apocalypse, Hannah suffers a miscarriage. Minutes before Wyndon <laughs> is devastated, old Egon Tiedemann re- uh, rescues her on behalf of Eret Lux, which I believe is the um, yeah, group that Ava does. Yeah. yeah. And that is, that is the end of her uh, narrative in Ava's world. And then in the final world. Yes. She's in the last scene, mm-hmm. married to Wohler. Yeah. Or together with mm-hmm. Wohler. Do we know if they're married? Do have the, it do is they listed on the It is listed on the website as uh, Hannah Wohler. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So she is either with or married to Wohler and they and pregnant. And she decides to name the child Jonas. Yeah. So those are some of the like main basics about Hannah. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm sure that as everyone who watched the show knows, there is nothing basic about Hannah. There's nothing basic about Hannah. No. no. She is uh, vengeful. Vindictive. Vindictive. Yeah. yeah. Jealous. Super yeah. jealous. Um, controlling. Yeah. Can I, I just want to start by reminding everyone, or at least with a little disclaimer, I spend a lot of my life disclaimering my thoughts and I hate it and I try to not do it, but I have to do it for this instance. This was really hard for me to go and look at Hannah without a lens of my own personal life because I had a Hannah in my life for a very long time and it took me a long time to realize the manipulation and how deep, how deep the lies went. And it was a, it was a moment where I had to, you know, kind of step back and I found myself thinking, no one can really be this manipulative. This is evil was the only word that I could possibly think of. Turned out that um, this person had borderline personality disorder. So it was a situation where it was 
not necessarily their fault, but it, evil is not the right word, right? They're suffering. So it's not, it's not a, a situation of I'm purposefully going out of my way to do these things. I am, you know, I have the wherewithal to do that. So when I look at H Hannah and I, you should never obviously, you know, self-diagnose characters in TV or whatever, cause you know, I don't know, but looking at her through that lens made it a lot both easier and more difficult for me to deal with Hannah. So I just want to say that, that this was very difficult for me. And I, I have a hard time separating my personal experience from Hannah. I find myself still getting angry. Like I went back and I rewatched her scenes before this episode and I yeah. found myself getting all fired up again, like just how upset I would get. And I, yeah, this was just very difficult, but I would like to dive right in and ask you, Mercs, because I've been dying to know since you brought it up, what changed your mind? What changed my mind? Yes. Specifically, I think what changed my mind was the discussion that we had about the fact that the timeline has created these strings of fate between people and the timeline yeah. has basically established their when we discussed that the timeline was a poison and a cancer and yes. that that timeline yes. poisoned and caused cancer within every character in this show. Yeah. That is when I sort of adjusted my, my feelings towards her entirely. I still think that her behaviors are unacceptable and I still ah. find it very difficult to uh, sympathize. Yeah. I can empathize, but I find it difficult to sympathize, I guess, um, yeah. with her. But when I look at it from the perspective of she, she is a victim in the same way that everyone else is of this timeline and of these lines of fate needed to be forced to yes. continue, that helped me sort of separate her from her actions and behaviors because I feel like every character in this show, their actions and behaviors are always poisoned in order to continue yeah. the timeline. So yeah. when I considered her as being not very different from everybody else in that regard, that helped yeah. a lot. Yes. Yeah. So I have thought, and I think this is where I ended with Hannah. Hannah, again, there's a lot that I really dislike. They wrote her so well, so realistically, that because I had someone like that in my life for a very long time, I... <sighs> You know, I just get it. I see red yeah. when I see her doing these things and, you know, manipulating and think, thinking nobody is aware of the manipulation. Like there's that that scene with Katerina, that confrontation scene with the two of them mm -hmm. where she's like, you are a cancer. I'm like, oh, and Hannah still thinks that nobody is aware of what she's doing. And it would everything would change for me if Hannah felt some sort of remorse for accusing someone of raping someone else like but she doesn't. She has she has like zero remorse for any of her actions that she has done until I think Celia. Yeah. I think everything changes for her with Celia. It's unfortunate that it didn't change with, you know, Jonas, but I do feel like she has a change off screen that we don't get to see when she has when she has Celia. Can I posit um, a theory yeah. in that regard then? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um mm -hmm. I wonder so one of the resounding feelings that I had, the relationship between like a mother and a son is very unique. And I wonder if by having a daughter and seeing herself in her daughter, you know, we've talked about this yeah. before where like in past episodes where especially with abuse that you experienced as a child, it can sort of come back to you 
when you yeah. are looking at a child of your own who is of the age where it happened. Um, but I wonder yeah. if maybe by having a daughter and seeing the the life that she had been living up until then. Well, she didn't have a mother, right? Her mother saw, was not right. present. Oh, yeah, that's so right. Even just having a daughter yeah. and then being able to have that relationship, yeah. uh -huh. I think, would be enough to kind of spur her, you know, on to doing things. The other interesting thing about that, Mur, is her name. Again, to bring it back yeah. to the name Hannah, it means graced, right? It means graced. And the first instance of the name it has to do with carrying a child. God has graced me with a child. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah. where her name comes from. So that's interesting that they went to that extreme to name. Maybe Hannah found her grace when she was with child. Yeah. Right. Um, that's kind of my train of thought, too, with the mm -hmm. whole her having a daughter and that being a very different experience. Also, we discovered that she went back to the 80s to raise mm -hmm. Celia. So yeah. think about that for a second. She took her daughter back to the same time period in which she grew up. Yeah. Yeah. That I think would create a very unique experience yes. where she would be able to share some of the things that she loved as a child. They would be able to bond more closely. Yeah. 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 So where I ended with Hannah is actually in a macro view and doing that discussion on hermeticism about as above, so below really helped me come to terms with Hannah. When I look at Hannah as a metaphor for Tanhouse and his desire, he is willing to go to any lengths to get his family back. Yeah. And I think Hannah is that representation Ooh. in these worlds. Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. Cause you think at first you think it's Jonas and Marta, right? Yeah. But they, they don't. They represent each fractured part, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wanting to become whole. But Hannah represents Tanhouse's literal desire to get it working, to do, to sit there and build a time machine, you know, to kind of go the extra lengths to do that. And then also one step further than that, even that vindictive controlling aspect, their fight it just made me think of that fight that Tanhouse has with his kids and how yeah. he said, you know, his son says, you know, you're so controlling and you're so, it honestly feels like Hannah is a more exaggerated, obviously. Cause if we look at, if we look at dark as fractured realities born from Tanhouse and it's all representing, you know, trying to bring his world back together, like these worlds didn't really exist, but in a dream, then it's possible that Hannah could be an exaggerated form of his own version of what he thinks of himself or even what his son thinks of him. Yeah. So that helped me a lot. Yeah, I think that's yeah. a brilliant, brilliant take on that. Not only does it fit within, I think, the like narrative cosmos of what's happening in the show, but it does it does explain a lot about the the things that she does. She is functioning on desire. Yes. almost all the time only. only yeah i want this and and you know there is her separation from the timeline where she she gets lost in the timeline when she chooses she doesn't yeah. need anyone or anything yeah yeah and then but then she dies when she gets her child yeah right so the de the desire would die when you get your child back yeah and i yeah I oh dude. Like, oh shit yeah 
I you, feel like so she's good. a representation throughout yes. the, the show. And then when I went, okay, because I mean, I have a couple of thoughts about, you know, who representation on a macro scale again as above so below through the rest of the show for other characters too and i then i said to myself well then who's hannah what does hannah represent because she's such a huge portion of the show and these writers are so fucking good there's no way they just wrote a villain to write a villain no there's no way they put hannah in there to just be that plot point that person who makes the gears go there's no way yeah So I have to do the right thing. This is my own dialogue to myself. (laughs) Take a step back, pull my head out of my personal life ass and go, who who is she to the show? Yeah. Who is she? Yeah. And she's important. The fact that they chose, I remember watching that final scene and I said out loud to the TV, do not give Hannah the last line in this show. I will be so mad. I was so upset. I was, I, I was livid, man why why would you give it to her she's a monster but think about it now yeah if she represents Tanhouse finally getting yeah then of course she has the last line mm-hmm. of course and the poison was removed in the final yeah. scene mm-hmm. and she is having a child and she genuinely looks happy she mm-hmm. does you know she kind yeah. of looks like she does kind of look like a different person. In she some does. Ways, yeah. You know, I, I completely yeah. agree with that. I rewatched all yeah. the Hannah scenes before yeah. this. 100%. She looks like a different person, which is a real testament to the actress as well. She's so good. So oh, incredible. Absolutely. The fact that she can every other smile in dark from Hannah has yeah. looked so forlorn and longing like there it's empty. Yeah. You know, even her smiles with Ulrich are like waiting for more. Yeah. Please. Lo- I love you tell me you love me you know there is no but that last scene she just had a smile to give him and it was oh she's so happy yeah so yeah the actress is so good also the actress is just so good at being a believable vindictive bitch that i'm like (laughs) my god she's so good well she's also just so beautiful to me yeah when i look Mm -hmm. at because i've been obsessed with one of the directors takes Um, high quality uh, medium format photographs and again that's like my day job so I love that kind of stuff but so I'm going through and I'm looking at all these photos and these stills that they take and I'm I'm just everyone with Hannah makes me stop there's so much in her expression at all times just dream to photograph yeah acorn what do you think no I'm on the same page I love that and I think that's I think that's a really important thing for us to discuss in a Hannah episode where she fits into the macro sense of the show. Yep. Because with every other character, with every other theme or topic or subject, we've talked about how it fits into the greater show and how it relates back to Tan House. So yeah. I love the fact that one of the most uh, hated characters yeah. could symbolize one of some of the darker aspects of Tan House because I'm thinking back to the scenes where we see him, especially in that portion where he's building the time machine and that like single-minded focused obsession that he has in building the time machine. It reminds me so much of Hannah. I have something else to add to that. Yeah. Do you know how dreams can be strange in that sometimes they don't all make sense? Yeah. I wonder when I was looking at the macro scale and I was trying to think, okay, who represents whom here? And I landed on Ulrich represents a couple of different things. And we've talked about that, but I also saw him representing Tanhouse's son a little bit. 
So the forever chasing Hannah, forever yeah. chasing Ulrich. I know it's in a romantic way. And obviously it's not like Tanhouse wants to be romantically involved with his son. But I did find it interesting that way before I even tried to look for Hannah, I saw Tanhouse's son and Ulrich forever chasing, forever stuck in this loop, that kind of yeah. rebellious young son. And, you know, you know, take my shot, but you didn't ask me what I wanted. You know, I'm going to do what I want. No future. I saw that in Ulrich. And then when I was looking at Hannah and I went, oh, but if Hannah is the desire, then of course she's forever chasing Ulrich. Yes. They even have wow. that moment, that like argument, you know, where it's just, you're too controlling. Stop chasing me. You know, like they, they almost mirror the, the conversation that, you know, in a different way, obviously that Ulrich and Hannah have, but there is so much mirroring in this show, both literal and metaphorical that when I, when I realized that it made me do a double take and I immediately then got up and I went back and watched both those scenes. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a very interesting perspective. The only thing I didn't think to look for, which I'm kicking myself now is, are they literally mirrored in that scene? Ooh, because they do that in this show as well. They will mirror, people will stand in the same position. The angles will be the same. And, uh, yeah, I wish that I had bookmarked mm -hmm. that for the cinematography episode. Yep. I will go through and I will, I will check, but those listening, if you are able to maybe go, go watch that right now. Cause I am curious to see if they are in fact, literally mirrored as well. I would be interested in also knowing if like the, Oh my God, <laughs> I was going to say if the lines are the same, but you already They're said similar. the lines are the same. They're not exactly the same, but it is, it is a very similar conversation in that, you know, his son says he's controlling and they're having that, they're having that conversation, that rebellious son and father conversation. And mm -hmm. Tanhouse seems so innocent in it. Oh my God. Here's another one. Yeah. Here's another one. Yeah. Hannah mm. is always the one who says, I love you. And yeah. Ulrich doesn't say it back. Just yes. like a rebellious son who's trying to get away from his like yeah. dad, stop, like just yeah. leave me alone kind of thing. And Tanhouse, uh, they do that too. Tanhouse is very much like, oh, I'm, you know, I, I love you. I'm over needy, I guess, is kind of the, mm -hmm. the way his son. But we also see it rippling through. So the more and more we talk about the show, the more and more I'm landing on that these worlds are fractured dreams yeah. Echoes. Yeah. Echoes of this main scene that happens at the end of the show. And I think yeah. we see it in, we see it in Ulrich, but we also see it in Marta a little bit. She rebels against her folks as well. We just, we see it yeah. over and over again. Yeah. That I think, I think it's rippling through. And I, that's such a, that's one of the first lines I think they say in the show. I think the first line is a quote from Einstein about time travel, but then one of the seasons hits you right up front with everything is doomed to repeat itself. I don't think that's just talking about the timeline. I don't think that's just talking about time travel. I think in our first episode, you talked about Murgles, you talked about the generational repetition of things, but I also think if Tanhouse yeah. did try to create this time machine and created these fractured worlds, everything is doomed to repeat itself because it's all just a fragment or figment of this origin world. Yeah. And I think yeah. it, it, I just, again, I think it has double meaning. I think everything is doomed to repeat itself. Not because there's not just because they're stuck in a time loop, but because 
they're going based off of the only thing that they have, which is just this one moment just that's repeating, repeating in his mind over and over and over again. When you yeah. have that argument, repeating yeah, you have that crashes. argument and then that person dies yeah. and you just repeat it over and over and over and over and over in your brain while he was creating this yeah. thing. So it made, it made me a little bit more understanding of Hannah a little bit. I still, again, I still think that, you know, what she does is very unacceptable. And again, I want to kind of like shout out if you have, if you recognize <laughs> her <laughs> and you have somebody like that in your life, it's okay to be like, yeah. bye. I think there's a lot of when, when doing research or preparing for this episode. And I mean, we've been talking about Hannah since the beginning of mm -hmm. the show. You can't mm -hmm. not talk about Hannah when it comes to this show. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's been a lot of very important mental gymnastics about how to talk about her in a way that is fair. And I think that yeah. we've, we've done a good deal of that and I'm very happy and, and um, I'm proud of us for the, the places that we've come to on that. Yes. But I do also think it is still important to recognize that you can recognize that someone exists and you can go, that person exists and they're not for me. Yes. <laughs> this yep. person is, is a, whether she intends to or not, or whether, you know, whether the timeline, all that stuff, it is no one's responsibility to accept that into their life just because she just happens to also be a person. Or your mother or your sister or your best friend yep. or your aunt or your uncle yeah. or your father or literally you know, anybody. And anyone. we do that. And that's the thing with the Hannahs of the world, because they do exist, is that people who are surrounded by them it's such a weird crazy thing that they will go to such lengths to manipulate that you find yourself trying to justify or you find yourself trying to excuse the behavior oh well you know they suffered this as a kid or you know i that's wonderful if you can do that if you can have Give yourself, because it is a gift to yourself, not the other person, give yourself the gift of empathy and understanding. I understand what made you, but also, no, that doesn't excuse the behavior. It doesn't excuse the manipulation. And I don't want you anywhere near me. Yeah. And that's okay. And it doesn't have to be, you know, I had to get to a point where I was filled with anger to be able to say no. I needed that in my life to be able to stand up for myself. So do you have to do that? No. And hopefully, like I, luckily I'm to the point now where I don't feel that anger towards the person. It's now more directed internally at me for putting up with it for so long, which again is a whole other issue that I have to unpack and I have to be kinder to myself because it's a very serious type of manipulation that you you cannot blame yourself forever for not seeing it or for being a victim to it. And that's a whole other journey. But if you can look at that and say, I understand what made Hannah who she is, but she's still a bitch. <laughs> or like, <laughs> I still don't want to be yeah. anywhere near that. Then yeah. that's that is a yeah. that is a good place to be. Yeah. And I think that's something that uh, we and uh, hopefully the people who are listening to this can understand is that you you are it is incredible to spend time to understand and deepen your knowledge of a person and you can even give yourself the gift of i don't know forgiving not them or their behavior but 
forgiving yourself for being, how do I say this? For not knowing how to move forward or to protect yourself. Because I think one of the things with that dynamic is that they create an environment where you have to protect them. Yes. As well. Yes. So. Or you feel guilty for thinking and, and everyone around you is it honestly, these, I do feel like Hannah's of the world are rare. So at least there's that, but what they do, their actions are so wild that it's hard to wrap your brain around it. It's hard to comprehend. You tell other people what they're doing and you sound like a crazy person. And everybody around mm-hmm. you is like, no, nobody's like that. You know, oh, come on. I think you're reading into it a little bit. It's, it's, you know, you're, you're gaslighting yourself, everybody else around you. Cause it's just so hard to comprehend that somebody would do that maliciously or that they would go to such lengths to, you know, do a thing or that they would lie about what such a weird thing. And you're, you know, a- again, it's just so far beyond, I think, And I can't, the only word that I can use, and I'm so sorry, it's the only word I can use, but it's so far beyond, I think, the norm social behavior that it feels like a comic book villain. And then you say to yourself, well, that can't exist. They're not a comic book villain. And you're, you know, you're telling yourself that over and over and over again. And then, so then you're stuck in this, you know, relationship because you're trying to, you know, and the thing is nobody's black and white. This was the hardest thing for me to wrap my brain around is that moment when Jonas comes in and is, says, mom, and she holds him. Nobody is all bad experiences. So you can have wonderful memories with an abuser. And that sucks. Yeah. I wish yeah. it could just be super black and white so that you knew immediately and you could walk out. But it's unfortunately not like that. Yeah, that's what I think makes those kinds of relationships so difficult because like you were saying, you're, you're trying to make sense of it. You're trying to even sometimes make the most of it, trying to make it work. And because it's not just a terrible experience, you do have the grays, you have the happy memories, this, the bad memories, but it's never quite enough sometimes to put yourself in a position where you're like, okay, I'm done. I'm out. Usually you spend more time than you would like in retrospect because you're just trying to make it work because you're trying to see the benefit, the good things in the person and and et cetera. Yeah. But I think that's because key manipulators condition you to believe that any, any disconnect from them is an act of betrayal. Any Uh disconnect of who they like, even just thinking that they are evil is a betrayal that you then feel guilty for. And then you're in a, fucking mind loop where you have to say oh you know that's not true it's just hannah gets me man hannah gets me (laughs) i think also something that for for people who have had experiences with this type of with hannah's yeah is the other thing too is that i think it takes a very specific upbringing and healthy amount of boundary setting. And like, if you were not taught what a boundary was, and if you were not taught what healthy relationships looked like, or what is, what is acceptable to expect from other people, you, you enter relationships, especially at like young age, uh, you enter relationships, all cards on the table. Yeah. And I think something that 
that I think is really important is to look back on macro yourself yeah. and, and look at yourself as who you were when you met that person, who you were before that to, you know, what set you up? What, what was your sort of ground there when that happened? And then just like give yourself some love for that happening because uh, the thing about people like Hannah is that they make you feel amazing and then they are terrible. Yeah. <laughs> they do terrible things. And to some extent, yes, there are reasons why they do that. And yes, you can understand and give empathy and yes, but you know, they, uh, you also have to recognize that they hurt you along the way. And if you don't have that boundary or that self-love or self-worth already built in, and frankly, I don't know a ton of people who do. Yeah. It's yep. tough. Then how are you, how is anyone supposed to know the, the treatment that they deserve carte blanche, like right off the table, you know, unless you're taught it very explicitly? Yeah, I totally agree with that. There's also, to bring it back to an earlier episode, and I can't remember the name of the episode, so forgive me, but I know we talked about this. I know we talked about people do the best that they can at all times. They're only ever yeah. really trying to do their very best. So when you macro yourself and you look back at your life and you say, I can't believe I spent 15 years of my life with this person who was abusing me and I had no clue or I just continually let it happen. Realize you were doing your best at the time. That was yeah. your best and that's okay. And you're here now at least, right? Yeah. And you're going to continue to do your best. I think there's a huge amount of, I know that I feel this very frequently, just the, fe the feeling of, I hate feeling stupid and I hate feeling taken advantage of or like a fool. Yeah. And I feel like that's buried in shame. People don't really teach you how to, how to move forward when you feel ashamed of yourself for certain things. And frankly, I think the only way to move forward is to understand that you did your best yeah. and to you know, I, I mean, people say this all the time, but like, look at someone that you love and how you would feel about them if they had gone through this and how they would. Yeah. And how you would never not in a million years, you would look at them and go, this is your fault. You would be like, oh, man, I'm so sorry. And I love you. And you did your best, yeah. you know, speak to your past self as you would speak to, you know, either your child or your best friend. Yes. Right. Yeah. I like to treat myself like it's so weird, but like it's something that I learned in therapy, thinking of myself as like inner child, small yeah. me and taking care yep. of her. Yeah. On this topic, there's actually a quote from Avatar, the last airbender that I'm thinking of um, in the episode, Bitter Work, Iroh tells Zuko that true humility is the only antidote to shame. And that really hit me. You have to have humility and love and acceptance for what you went through to get rid of your shame. You can't have pride. Pride is not being more prideful in who you are and almost being defensive is not the way to like heal that. And the true humility and understanding you had no control over the situation, yeah. right? Yeah. Like you, yeah. You know, you, or I mean, sometimes we do have control over the situation, but it's really control over our actions. We can only ever do what we can do in that moment. And when you're five or young kid and, you know, the abuser is like a parent or a family member, you can't do anything. 
I'm sorry. You can't do anything. You can't stand up for yourself. You don't even know that you need to yet. Right. So yeah, there's just a lot there. Yeah. All of that, I suppose, was to say we can still not like Hannah yep. and not accept Hannah's in our life while also understanding where Hannah came from and who she is. Yep. And I think that's ultimately something that that I came away with from from the show was people go through all kinds of things mm-hmm. and they do all kinds of things. And the reason why she's so realistic is because maybe you saw someone that you knew, maybe you saw a part of yourself. She is a representation of desire. Yeah. And we all have that. And it's about what we do with that desire that differentiates us yep. between Hannah's and people totally. who don't do what Hannah does. <laughs> and I think look for the people who choose not to be Hannah's with their desire. And you yeah. don't need to accept Hannah's in your life. Yeah. And I also think there's a bit of Hannah that is that, you know, the secrecy that surrounds her. It's not like you don't have thoughts that are, how can I get what I want? Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of people will go through that. They will think like, oh, well, this is a way to get what I want. I'm not going to do that. So Hannah is just literally walking around doing the things that a lot of people think about or want to do. She is, she, you're right. She is a representation of desire. And there are a couple of moments after that one email where I looked back on her and I saw her power moments, I do mm-hmm. appreciate, I do appreciate her sticking it to Ulrich in a weird way. Even though when I originally watched that scene, I was like, you bitch, Hannah. But then in watching back, you know, he's not the greatest to her there. You know, he doesn't no. treat her very well. He initiates the kiss. He starts the affair. And then it's, you know, to see that in another reality, he marries her. It, and yeah. leaves Katarina for her. Hannah's not making it up in her mind then. There is a connection there. There yes. is something there that she sees that she is kind of, all right, I'll 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 fall down this hole with you, Ulrich. But then he like never leaves his wife for her. And, and he's just really, that breakup is really rough. You know, not that any breakups are, you know, easy. Um, but yeah, he's he's kind of a dick to her. So that power moment where she takes her power back and then again has it with Aegon where she's like, I don't need men. I don't need yeah. you, any of you. It, it's cool. I look at that and I'm like, yeah, all right, Hannah, fuck them. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <You know? laughs> I think it, like if you look at it from that perspective as well, there there is like a, a ton there in terms of like, if you think about it as all she ever wanted was Ulrich and then he starts to reciprocate. Yeah. And then he pulls, he pulls away and yeah. then he pulls away in such a aggressive way and he like pushes her up against a wall yeah. right at one point and like yells yeah. at her yeah um, i think he actually grabs her by the throat yeah yeah and he does it's when he calls her cancer yeah yeah um I literally just rewatched all of these scenes and i can't yeah, yeah remember yeah. uh i i still will continually confuse his confrontation scene with katarina's scene in the kitchen like i oh yeah that scene gets muddled in my brain um but yeah, yeah he he grabs her by the throat and and uh yeah it's it's pretty pretty violent but at the time, I was such a huge Ulrich fan yeah, that I was like, yes, you know, she is a cancer, but that's also totally not okay as well. You know, <laughs> he does some shit, man. Ulrich does some shit. He is a, he is a monster. <laughs> yeah. I think it's that example of like, why, why, and I, and I don't mean to the, say that this is anything that we've done, but I think about it in terms of how I've perceived it, how it, I perceive her as being like 
the worst one in that scenario, even though he's the one who's cheating on his wife with her. Yeah. And then when finds out that his son is missing, goes like, oh, it's my fault because I cheated on my wife. Yeah. Like, fuck you, well, Hannah. I'm going to cut you out. Holy yeah. shit. <laughs> I cheated on my wife. So God's punishing me by stealing my child. Okay, Ulrich. Yeah. <laughs> The um, <laughs> world doesn't revolve around you, you dummy. Yeah. As if, as if, if God were real, as if he would punish the son for the sins of the father. Come on. Wait, is that a thing? Yeah, I that's think from it the is. Bible, I think. That is from the yeah. Bible. Yeah. Do they, does he fucking punish the sins of the, does he punish the son for the sins of the father? Isn't that the whole reason why Cain slaughters, or the, 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 uh, what's his name, slaughters his son or tries to sacrifice his son? And then he's I'm like, I will up. no longer punish the son for the sins of the father. Oh, for I Christ's think sake. So. That sounds like an Old Testament thing. I th yeah, I'm pretty I... sure. Yeah. Does God punish? Okay. <laughs> Hold on. I'm um, sorry. <laughs> Does God punish sons for the sins of their fathers? Okay. So this is from a religious uh, website. That sounds credible. <laughs> As part of the Ten Commandments, God declares that he visits the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me. Exodus 25. Holy and in shit. his revelation to Moses, he again says that he will visit the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let's yeah, think about this on. with dark. I know. Where does the punishment go? Does it go all the way to the third and the fourth generation? Shut up! The, the, the third and the fourth generation is a closed loop. Oh, yeah? There's more. An implication is that God punishes grandchildren on behalf of their grandparents. Yet elsewhere, scripture states, The soul who sins shall die. The son shall not suffer for the iniquity of the father, nor the father suffer for the iniquity of the son. That's Ezekiel 18.20. But the grandchildren are punished? So, not to bring it back to Inez, but like... Mickle, I guess, yeah. would be... Oh, but they're not blood-related. I was going to no. say Mickle is punished for the sins of Daniel. Oh, Jesus, man. That is an yeah, interesting that's crazy. thought. That's super interesting. Because now, wait a second. Wait a second. Helg, then, would be punished for... I'm just His trying father's to... father's behavior? No. No, because it's, it's grandfather, right? So let's look at this. Who's Jonas's grandfather? Let's work it back. <laughs> Jonas's grandfather. Um, okay, so Ulrich. his father, it's Ulrich, Ulrich, right? Yeah. So Jonas is being punished and Mikkel is being punished, supposedly. No, Mikkel is his son. Yep. Mikkel is Not Ulrich's his grandfather. son. Yeah. And Trant is Marta's grandfather. Trant also has an affair. Yeah. But I feel like everyone in the show has an affair. I got to be honest. Yeah. Like, everyone, actually. Give me one married couple that isn't having an affair in the show. <laughs> Hold on. Or There's did. be one. Okay, so let's just go through the couples then. Yeah. Francisca. Francisca and Magnus. Yeah, they don't. That's, I think they're the only couple. I think they're the yeah, only okay. one. Yeah. Okay. Even Marta. I mean, Bartosz. Jonas and Marta Bartosz. kiss. Yeah. Yeah. Marta and Bartosh. She kisses Jonas. And Marta's with uh, the other guy in the alternate world and still kisses mm -hmm. Jonas. Yeah. They sleep together. Well, they say that like the ultimate sin was the fact that Marta and Jonas had sex and she's his aunt. And that's why the unknown exists. Do they explicitly say that their relationship is the ultimate sin? Well, I think they really they're They say frequently like, oh, you you want her, but it's a it's the ultimate. Yeah. We have to kill the unknown because he exists because of your sinful blah, Union. blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. I think there's just more to it than that. 
if the creators are saying they're saying the same thing, but from a different perspective, then it can't be about ultimate sin. Then what is it about? Yeah. It's an interesting thought. Mm -hmm. It must be a, if we look at it from a macro perspective, it must be that you are trying to create a union between the two worlds. And when you do that, we no longer exist. Mm -hmm. If you have a union and the, the worlds combine, then our worlds cease to exist. Yeah. Yeah. A true union. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is the unknown because we're stuck yeah. in a time loop. Mm -hmm. And the future is unknown when we are together. Interesting. Well, I'm satisfied with our discussion about Hannah. I am too. Yeah. Yeah. I feel really good about that. I was nervous coming in because, well, also we've just talked about her a lot throughout yeah. many different episodes, but to be able to sit back and, you know, have a macro look and perspective and a little bit of compassion for her and recognize some good moments, you know, her moments yeah. of power. I love her arc. I have come to terms with the fact that she has the last line in the show. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it actually, you know, I understand it now. It's not even I've come yeah. to terms with it or come to accept it. I get it. It's perfect. Creators, hats off. If she's representing, <sighs> yes, go on. If you think about, and I'm sure that we will get into this in our Tan House episode, but if you think about everything in, you think of Winden mm -hmm, as a mm -hmm, cosmos mm -hmm, of Tan mm -hmm, House's mm -hmm, mind, mm -hmm, then that last dinner scene, what what parts of Tan House are reaching... Nope. We can't, we can't, because I, I, we have to talk about it in the Tan House episode, man. Because well, stay tuned, stay tuned. But also, I could not figure out for the longest time why in that last scene they say a life without Winden. Yeah, until yep. you think about it from that perspective. Yep. So think, uh. think about that all the way until we get to Tan House's episode. Think about that. Why does she say a life without Winden when she's in Winden? Yep. Email us. Let us know your theory because I've got one. I'd love to know if yours matches mine. <sighs> Is there anything else we wanted to bring up with Hannah? I have one small thing, but yeah. I don't know if it's like super applicable, so I could edit it out. But the scene where Hannah and Ulrich begin their affair in the 25th anniversary yeah. party in the rain in the backyard, um, the song that plays... Uh, when they do that is by Asaf Avidan and it's called Twisted Olive Branch. Huh. And I, oh wow, the lyrics are super excellent. So the lyrics are love is deep. The deepest ocean will come with the sound of a thousand waves hit the shore. Love is black. The darkest raven will crawl and the pain of a thousand black feathers and the hate for a dove. Fly black raven, my heart on open hatch. Fly black raven, come back raven. Twist your twisted leg upon that twisted olive branch. Hope is small, the smallest light beam will come with the dance of a thousand flakes of dust. Hope is wrong, a weary sailor will fall with the betrayal of a thousand black stones and a prayer for more. And then it ends with twist that twisted leg upon that twisted olive branch. Holy cow, that is a good catch. Yeah. It's crazy because I think it represents, first of all, like the fact that that literally was a twisted yes. olive yes, branch for her mm -hmm. and that it was a result of her hope, but that her hope in and of itself is twisted and yes. just like the fucked upness that one would feel about that scenario, getting what they want, but under these circumstances. Yeah. So that's that's interesting, too, if you if you look at it from the pers again, that macro perspective that she represents Tannhaus's desire. Yeah. Then, you know, that twisted, you know, olive branch or that twisted, you know, him 
trying to do this to bring his kids back is just it just makes a lot of sense also yeah just to bring it back really quickly to her name i did look it up uh so hannah in the bible could not bear children until god blessed her with the ability to have children or graced her that's so cool so if you think about the two worlds split yes hannah had children but she could not I don't think she had she a miscarriage had, in one. She did. Yeah. And also with Jonas being, I think, just a, if it, a, the disease or the poison of the timeline. Yeah. Right. She couldn't she couldn't, I think, have a happy existence until God blessed her. But if you look at Tanhouse representing, you know, God, and I'm using quotes here because he's created these two worlds, she can't have a child until he brings the worlds back together but in the same way that his daughter-in-law dies with her child she can't have a child unless he is able to write the timeline or like bring Mm -hmm. everything back right yeah so yeah Yeah. i think that's pretty interesting as well also just the line in that song about the dust and how the show ends (laughs) so 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 good yeah that was the last like major find um that i that i had for for that but great catch uh, thank you guys yeah. this, this has been this, this was a really great. good episode yeah shall we do some shout outs yes yeah acorn would you like to go first oh sure uh i'm acorn you can find me online at acorn bandit and also on my website joysons.com j-o-i-s-a-n-s.com where i make enamel pins i also am on another podcast here on the network avatar the last airbender which is why i mentioned that quote earlier because it definitely came up in our conversation one day and as i've mentioned before i'm starting a new project if you want to check out ffxthenovel.com i'm writing a novelization of a final fantasy game because that's been a dream of mine for like 13 years and so we're finally doing it so that's all my stuff Yeah, yeah why not why not take a crazy know. chance? <laughs> Sorry, I just had to bring Hillary Duff into the mix. Oh, we all God. And I'm Pumpkinberry. You can find me at Twitter at Pumpkinberry. You can also find me at twitch.tv slash Pumpkinberry, where I stream video games. You can also check out two shows that I ran that I am really proud of that have a lot of mystery, very similar to Dark. There's a lot of intricacies placed within the shows. The first is called Nocturne. The second is called Gone. And you can find them both tablestory.tv slash Nocturne and then tablestory.tv slash Gone. Highly recommend them. Check them out. That's me. Also, just a quick reminder, Mm -hmm. uh, book the day off on December 30th of oh, this year yeah. uh, because you've got something real spicy coming up. i do it's a one shot you can mm-hmm. you can tune in you can watch it twitch.tv slash table story a one shot means that you don't have to watch anything else before you tune into this one and man i had fun making the teaser for that because there's a fucking hermeticism everywhere <laughs> i saw that <laughs> i was like i know exactly what this means now and i just i threw a lot of stuff in there and it's gonna it's gonna spicy dark inspired it's gonna be very good i'm very excited for it yay mm-hmm. hi and i'm murgles <laughs> thumbs up um hi i'm murgles uh i am an animator and a storyboard artist working in the industry uh animation industry that is uh for a while really need to figure this out. I stream on Twitch. So if you want to check me out, Murgles, twitch.tv slash Murgles. I'm making an, an, I make animated films there, hang out, coffee, chats, whatever. Um, you can also find, follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash Murgles, I believe. Uh, thank you so much. Last you checked. 
Huh? I just made me laugh. I believe what last time you checked Murgles was last time I checked. (laughs) I don't know. Listen, (laughs) I I I am uh, chronically bad at this. My name, I'm Murgles. I'm a professional storyboard artist and animator, and I stream cool stuff on Twitch. We're working on a film right now called Whatever. You can come check it out. Recently, I did a whole film in 42 hours. You can check that out there as well. That's me. Yeah. Easy. There you go. You can do Perfect. it. Perfect. She did it. Thank you so much, everybody. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the podcast. We hope that you've enjoyed it. Of course, if we've missed anything, you can tweet at us individually. Uh, you can use the hashtag darkcompanionpod or email darkcompanionpod at gmail.com. You can also tweet at Radio Winden. And of course, special thanks to Johnny Caballero for letting us use the beautiful you, cover art. And you can find him on Twitter at Johnny Knight. That's J-H-O-N-Y-K-N-I-G-H-T. We're also proudly part of the Geek Generation Network. And you can find more awesome podcasts related to cool nerdy things like TV, comics, and movies at thegeekgeneration.com. Thank you so much for diving into Dark with us. And we will be back next Thursday with episode 17, which is... Just out of reach, exploring Egon Tiedemann. Oh, oh my God. Yup. See you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.